the jello was a nightmare to work with. We did have an incident where we were testing the jello and I sat in it for a few oh. hours to make sure it wouldn't dye skin for continuity. So I literally I sat in the jello and watched the movie 13 and was like, oh, am I red yet? Whatever. Welcome to Bitch Talk. I'm your host, Aaron, here with my co-host, Ange, a.k.a. Captain Party, and our producer, Shar. And over the last 10 years, we've been elevating marginalized voices through interviews and events. Sometimes over a glass of whiskey. But if you're thirsty for more bitches, find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram. A big thank you to 48 Hills and our listeners for voting us Best of the Bay Best Podcast in 2022. And now, on with the show. What's up, Bitch Talkers? Welcome to our official South by Southwest coverage. This is our first official time heading there live and in person. And uh, we definitely did paint the town bitch, but those are stories for another day. Right now, we are focusing on two short films that we really loved, Scotty's Vag and Vibrator Girl. Hmm, there's a common theme here. I can't quite put my finger on it. We are here live at South by Southwest interviewing the director of the short film Scotty's Vag, Shakan Martin Berkowitz. Welcome to Bitch Talk. Thank you so much for having me. So can you introduce our audience to your short film and its wonderful title? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Scotty's Vag, as you said, is a narrative short film and it's about a night of sorority hazing kind of gone wrong. Um, so it really explores the power dynamics in a sorority and it's very loosely inspired by my own college experience and some of the stuff I went through emotionally, but obviously I took a lot of creative liberties. That's actually my follow-up question. I was going to ask how personal was the story and you don't have to go into any detail, but how personal was the story to you and your experience? Yeah. <laughs> Quite personal. I mean, I can tell you a little bit about why I joined the sorority mm -hmm. and, um, you know, growing up, I grew up with a single mom and um, it was tough. <laughs> like, there was a lot of stress in the house and, you know, we had a tricky relationship. But when I went to college, I think I was really looking for female validation. And so um, I found that in this sorority. And I should say, you know, we were actually technically a secret society. We were kicked off campus when we were a sorority for bad behavior. And so we went underground. Anyway, that's the whole thing. But, um, you know, in this group of women, I really found a support system. And it was actually really empowering to you know, be part of a group in this way, like going out, you really felt like you had your sisters and you're super bonded and I felt safe. Um, but at the same time, there was hazing and, you know, manipulations and power dynamics that had another side to them. Um, so in this short, I was really, I wanted to explore that duality. And, you know, I think I'm really interested in exploring those moral gray areas. Mm -hmm. um, you know, are these things empowering or disempowering? How do we all kind of live in those spaces? And what are our, you know, what, how do we behave in them? Like, how are we all capable of kind of acting well and badly um, mm. in environments like that? 
So that's kind of where it came from emotionally. And then, as I said, you know, I took a lot of liberties with the plot. I definitely heightened things and, you know. I was heightened. (laughs) There's a lot of heightening. Yeah, I think you did a great job, (laughs) at least for an audience member's emotional reaction, because I felt like my stomach was in knots the whole time. And I wasn't sure, like, is it going to happen? Is it not going to? Are they going to go there? Are they not? But the truth is, trauma comes from even small things. It doesn't have to be a major incident in order for it to leave an impact on you for life. So how did you decide how far you were going to go in certain instances? And when you didn't really need to do it, you could pull back and it would still have that same impact. Yeah, that's a really interesting question because what it comes down to for me is my producer and I talked a lot about how we really didn't want to do anything just for the shock value. And so I think in kind of that line, I think is important to navigate those small moments that still are leaving an impact without just like showing too much to just try and get an audience reaction. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to make sure that the story was really building in a way that would leave an emotional impact and was really character driven as opposed to just like, oh, jello, piercing, you know, (laughs) vagina. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know, that was a conversation that we had to kind of allow the tension to slowly build. And um, yeah. What kind of direction did you give your lead actor through some of the more intense scenes? Because there's some heightening intense scenes. There are. I we actually spent a lot of time in pre-production preparing. Allegra, Sarah, Izizi, they are so fantastic. I love the cast so much. I really they put so much work in preparing. Um, But Allegra specifically and I. She, who, Allegra plays Scotty. Um, she and I would go to lunch and just talk about her backstory. And it really was more of an organic process, um, more so than my even necessarily giving her direction on set. Like, of course, I would give her direction on set, but I feel as though because we spent so much time talking about the character beforehand, it just made everything flow really easily on the day. Like, Allegra also is the kind of actor where I felt like I was giving her space to do what she needed to do. And sometimes my direction could be as simple as like, do you want to try Like just do something different. And she would do that. And then it was always an amazing result. And that gave us so many options in the edit. Um, so yeah, with her, all the actors, I feel like a lot of directing is also just giving the actors space to feel safe and do what they want to do. Um, and you know, we also did a lot of prep in terms of the intimacy. It was really important, obviously, mm-hmm. to have an intimacy coordinator. She was incredible to work with. We did a few rehearsals before to make sure that everyone felt really comfortable and communicated what was okay and what wasn't. You know, the blocking down to the nitty gritty mm. um, was great to do that, you know, so that on the day was seamless and yeah. Oh, thank you for bringing that up. We've never really talked to anyone about an intimacy coordinator. So do they go line by line in the script and blocking? How does how does it work working with an intimacy coordinator? Yeah. So Adrian Cooper-Smith, she was our amazing intimacy coordinator. But we essentially would do, we'd first just like talk about the scene very generally with the actors and make sure that everyone knew where they were comfortable being touched and where they didn't want to be touched. And there's so much, um, there's so many supplies that intimacy coordinators have that I was unaware of, like hmm. tapes and 
um, Merkins, which is like oh, uh, oh yes, <laughs> explain it to the audience. I love Merkins. I love Thank Merkins you for bringing too. up a Merkin. I'm bitched. Oh, we gotta have a drink later. I'll tell you my Merkin story. Go on. Yes, yes. <laughs> Merkins are like essentially fake pubes. I guess that yes. you can. It's like a wig for your vagina or yes. you know whatever. Um, so. Yeah, Merkins are awesome and they're pretty expensive. <laughs> like, wow, you can get, I think, real pubic hair Merkins, which is awesome. But um, yeah, we had a lot of chat about Merkins and what was what everyone was comfortable with. But um, in terms of our rehearsals after that conversation, you know, we would have a blocking rehearsal where everyone was clothed and we'd kind of go through all of the movements in like the least sexy way, you know? It's like, <laughs> are you, where are you gonna be? Where do you wanna be? Where would your the character's hand be in this moment? And like, it's so interesting because in those rehearsals, I feel like we figured out character things, you know, because we were all talking about it so nitty gritty. It was like, oh, Scotty, maybe this is a, a new way to think about how the shot should look. Like, I don't know, it really informed um, the shot list. And the DP was a Gemma, Del Grossman. I love her. She was there in those rehearsals. And so, I don't know, just having the core people in those rehearsals, I think, helped make everyone feel really comfortable. Can we talk about the title? Was it always Scotty's Vag? How did it? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I to be honest, I just want to tell you. So I went through all the titles and it's also just like the titles matter, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so when I when you're saw, looking at a million of all them, I saw yeah. was Scotty's Vag. I'm like, yes, I didn't even read. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. <laughs> well, thank you. So, thank you. <laughs> I don't know if that says more about you well, than it does. It does, film, but it's but fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. So it's funny. And I think this is interesting, actually, to talk about. I for a long time, I was like, maybe it'll be pledge, you know, something more hmm. just I think I was afraid mm. um, this whole movie has been a leap of uh, faith for me <laughs> or like I've it, yeah it hasn't been an easy process all the way um but my cinematographer Gemma actually she was like why don't you call it Scotty's Vag and at first I was like oh I'm scared <laughs> but she was like you already wrote this script that's like pretty out there why not have the title match it and then I kind of let it sit and I kept thinking Scotty's Vag Scotty's Vag Ugh, okay you're right. Let's call it Scotty's Vag. So I really owe Gemma Dahl Grossman <laughs> for pushing me. And yeah. Good for you. I want to metaphorically cheers to you for that leap of faith because we know how scary it is. And look at you now. You're sitting at South by Southwest, yes. one of the biggest film festivals in our country. So yeah, good for you. Um, I, we're going to wrap some, but I could speak for myself and Aaron. We're not much of sorority girls ourselves, but I have friends that loved it were in sororities and the one thing that I was a little jealous of was the jello wrestling that looks really fun and I didn't think anyone did that anymore so it looked really fun <laughs> I don't want it to be filmed I don't want you know anyone to watch but I'm just curious how much jello do you have to cook for that I mean oh, that's insanity batches the jello <laughs> jell was a nightmare to work with also really fun also really fun children yeah. animals jello those are the things you don't yeah. okay in that order yeah. no but you can actually buy like huge packs of jello that are for jello wrestling so you just pour in the crystals and add water and kind of let it sit and oh, like swirl it around okay but um we did have an incident <laughs> where we were testing the jello and i sat in it for a few oh. hours to make sure it wouldn't dye skin for continuity so i literally i sat in the jello and watched the movie 13 and was like oh am i red yet whatever it doesn't dye skin which was great but um my friend thought that to dispose of all the jello we should just 
put it down the drain. And so we did that. Whose home was it? Uh, my home, not their home. <laughs> and we completely clogged the drain. It was really bad because jello doesn't just dissolve. Uh, no. So we had to call a plumber. Anyway. <gasps> We're learning lessons here on Dish yes. Talk. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> well, this has been so fun. And again, congratulations. We're proud of you. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's weird. Proud. We're not your parents. But, yeah. but great job. And I'm just really happy for you. Thank you for talking to us. We've been speaking with Chacon Martin Berkowitz from the film Scotty's Vag. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. We're happy to bring you from South by Southwest, the narrative short Vibrator Girl. We're sitting down with our screenwriter slash star, Zoe Mintz, and our screenwriter slash producer, Morgan Siat. Thank you so much for being on Bitch Talk. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Okay, so I don't know who wants to pick, but uh, one of you, can you introduce Vibrator Girl to our audience? Um, Vibrator Girl is a short, surreal, Lynchian, psychosexual horror film about a woman who is kind of addicted to using her vibrator and it causes her medical problems and she tries to address them and in different ways she goes to a doctor she goes to a new age sort of self-pleasure workshop um and uh doesn't find a lot of success with those for various reasons and um has some unfortunate consequences um for her vibrator use <laughs> yeah. um for either of you was this somewhat of a personal story and if it was in which ways was it i know it's yeah. you know sensationalized more for the film but <laughs> yes if, yeah. you, if not <laughs> whatever totally you feel, true whatever you feel safe about sharing ne- about neither that. of us are vibrators no not yet who knows gotta, gotta keep going yeah. yeah you don't work enough clearly it's true <laughs> <laughs> it was really personal for me i don't want to speak for you but you can speak to that but morgan wrote a short story that i loved and a, an element of the short story involved um the protagonist uh growing um a vibrator out of her arm is that what it was no and she just turns into a vibrator she turns into a vibrator okay okay. yeah yeah um and she was having medical issues at the same time and i had been going through like i got a cyst and it was really painful and i couldn't masturbate because it was gonna make the cyst worse and that was um a pretty terrible time (laughs) um for multiple reasons but it was a bummer that I couldn't um, masturbate like I wanted to. And then I read the story and it was just about this woman who has this really complicated relationship with her body and masturbating. And I never got out of my head. <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. we made a film about it eventually. Yeah. 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 I think the story, I think the short story I wrote that eventually like, you know, inspired the short film was pretty personal because I was writing it like from the throes of medical paranoia and like I just had a lot of like weird symptoms in my body like paresthesia and vertigo and like like carpal tunnel like symptoms but that were radiating throughout my whole body and I was also using my vibrator and uh so I had like this weird kind of like kind of psychedelic experience of being like worried that I was dying but also (laughs) being really horny (laughs) 
It traps. Yeah. So that's how the story was born. And then I feel that way all the time. There's the title of your autobiography, Aaron Lim. Worried I'm gonna die and feeling really horny. Yeah. Something about that. There's something about that. So I think like for me that was the core of the film and the or part of like the the mood and tone of the film is like creating this weird, creepy aura aura to represent that feeling somehow. Um, and then I was also really curious. Another thing that was in the story, which isn't really personal, but I was really curious about was this, uh, this new age orgasm workshop, <laughs> which is actually based on a real thing. You guys are from the Bay area. So I don't know if you've heard of one taste, uh, we'll get into something in a minute. Okay. Yeah, go but, for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard don't, one taste, no, but don't worry about it, but I won't keep spoil going. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. so there's that and we can bracket that for now, but, um, yeah, I mean, it is personal for those reasons. It's both based, it's based on both of our personal experiences and it's also very personal because it's our first film and we like worked, we were, we, we actually were both producers on it and we kind of led the whole creative vision and like, I don't know, it was just our baby. Yeah. So I think it was really personal in that regard as well. Yeah. In terms of the, the medical scenes with the doctors, of course it was exaggerated, but I, Recently, I've spent a lot of time in hospitals and it's true. It is. I felt like I was living a nightmare. Like I would, they would walk in and I'm like, you're not here for our best interests. And that's just how it feels to be a woman in general. And heaven forbid if anything even worse happens to you. So it really wasn't that exaggerated for me. It was like, I can relate. Yeah. The bland, psychotic stare mm -hmm. of an <laughs> uncaring doctor. Yeah. That just won't hear you. Like you're saying something and it's just going through over their heads. Yeah. 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 And that neurologist was the, the doctor in the, in the film was based off of a real neurologist that I had who's like diminishing my concerns. And I don't know, just, you know, it's, it's almost a banal story at this point because it basically happens to everyone. But yeah, he was based off, off a real guy who's actually really cute. So it's <laughs> so confusing. Well, at least even worse. That's that's I don't even element. know. You're going to die and you're horny. It's yeah. just a I know, right? Theme. It's a thing. It's a thing. Oh, man. <laughs> they don't listen to you, but they're cute. You're going to die and you're horny. Yeah. <laughs> the motif. <laughs> I feel like that's a tattoo. Um... Zoe, were you always the first choice as a main character or how, how did that work out for this film? It's interesting. I, it started as something very small. Like I just wanted to make a very basic short film and get some like acting experience for my reel. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to think of like good material to mine for a scene. And I thought of Morgan's story and I approached Morgan and I think I wrote an initial draft and we just started working together on a script for it. And it just got bigger and bigger and kind of snowballed into something that other people were interested in. And we got other creatives involved, our friends involved. And it just like, it grew to be this big, production when it intended it was intended to for me to be the protagonist from the beginning but I don't know if I had known it was going to be like this I, I have no idea what what I would have done but um but yeah that, that was I was Marianne that's the protagonist's name okay. mm -hmm. so um I just I just like the idea of um arousal being something that you know, physically you have to do certain things, but it's also very mental and you, you get into that. Marianne needs specific things in order to orgasm. Um, so I just wonder how can we teach women to, because most women might go half their lives or more without knowing how to give themselves an orgasm. So is it just kind of like, because it's so specific, it's just like, 
just explore more? Is that just kind of the lesson? I think a bit. Yeah. Like you, you have to be, it's uncomfortable to, I mean, I, I, I don't want to generalize. I found it very uncomfortable to like explore my body and try to find pleasure just by myself in my room. It felt sort of like purposeless and awkward. And I was looking at myself having the experience rather than have the experience, but it was kind of, it is kind of necessary to do that and push through that and learn what you like. And it just takes a lot of work and practice and experimentation. And I still don't know if I've like fully figured it out. Like <laughs> I, I rely a part of what the film is about too, is like relying on a vibrator for pleasure, which I definitely do. You know, I, I'm far more familiar with how to make myself orgasm with this tool than just by myself with my own knowledge. Um, so that's something that's, I'm definitely still working on and I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how to, how mm -hmm. to fix that. <laughs> mm -hmm. The film is sort of a way of like acknowledging that, I guess, like acknowledging the problem. Yeah. I mean, when I discovered the magic wand, I was like, okay, this thing solved the female orgasm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty awesome. And yeah. scene. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. scene. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. This podcast is brought to you by magic yeah. wand. <laughs> Should be. This podcast yeah. is brought to you by a company that makes tractors and power tools. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's really funny. I kind of like that I use like this <laughs> tool made by a company that makes these massive like industrial um, machines. machines. Yeah. yeah. I mean, kind of genius. Yeah. It's kind of cool. It is. Yeah. Um, before we wrap, I do want to ask about the genre. I felt like it was a little bit uh, horror genre as well. Did you guys um, intend for it to come off that way? Oh, didn't mean to say come off. Yes, mm. to, to get off that to way. Get, <laughs> to get off that <laughs> way. <laughs> I very, uh, yeah, but was that discussed when you were making the film? Because it, it, uh, there's a little bit of it that's horror yeah, genre-ish. I would say it's definitely horror um, or adjacent. at this point. Yeah, <laughs> it's like fantasy horror, um, like surreal horror. I think <clears throat> I think that is it was not that was not intended from the very start. Mm -hmm. I think it's something that precipitated over the course of like the entire production. Um, I think we wanted it to be Lynchian because yeah. we are both obsessed with David Lynch. Yeah. <laughs> um, we wanted it to be surreal and uncanny. I think we're both really interested in like the tone of the uncanny and how, how to actually make that, make people feel that with the tools of cinema, with every layer of cinema. Um, and then I don't know at which point we were like, okay, we should probably be calling this horror. Yeah. It was like kind of late ish in the process when we were figuring out like what's going to happen like wh what's the ultimate like what's the ending going to be what's the consequence going to be and like yeah that's true like, that the just, body like transformation i think definitely like clinched it as a body horror thing hmm. yeah mm -hmm. it was funny because yeah when we get to the climax the uh, horrific climax I, w I turned to them and i was like this short reminds me of like old filipino wives tales like mm -hmm. if you masturbate oh. you become the vibrator yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> just yelling that at me you know it just that was my first thought but um I love before that. we go Aaron alluded to a story we were going to tell you and when yeah. I was in college I moved into this huge Victorian house I had 14 roommates and six months into it I found out that half of them were part of this sex cult <gasps> one taste no uh, it's not one taste they're called Morehouse one. 
Marvel. Yeah, but they were back. They started in like 68. Mm-hmm. It was back in the day and it became like an established school, but they taught how to give women orgasms. And That's, that the main premise, uh, it was started by a man, but the main premise was if women are satisfied, the men will be satisfied. So their focus uh, was on satisfying women. So they taught like, this is where you push. This is where you, this is down to the right and, you know, hang a left, you know, um, <laughs> and they would have classes, a woman laying there and he would give her an orgasm and tell the class what he was doing. So that's totally a precursor to this one taste thing. Maybe it's connected. Who knows? I should look into it. But yeah, it made me think of (laughs) that's fascinating. Is there information about this online? Yeah, I did a little short on it as well. I'll send you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I didn't get to talk to the main. I didn't get to talk to the main people because they wanted to have nothing to do with it. I lived in a subset of the main house. And so they were living amongst regulars. You know, I was a college kid renting a room. So they weren't following the strict rules of the main house anymore because it got a little weird. Like the women have to wear a maid's dress sometimes Ooh. and do it was oh, right weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, and this was in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. yeah, San Francisco, in Lafayette. So oh, is one taste also Bay Area yeah. based? Yeah, it's this. It's a similar premise where it's. I think it was also founded by a man. And no, like, it was founded by Nicole Didone, a woman, and she would get she would get like men with like wearing like black latex gloves to yes, she like they she would like wear gloves. Yes. Oh, interesting. Like, so, mm. oh my god, she probably went to one of these in the Bay Area. And yeah. Just, like, well, totally turned it into like the TED Talk, like super what, glitzy MLM version. This is what it yes. sounds like because now they're just like aging hippies. You know, I I didn't know any young ones, so yeah. maybe this is the next generation. Yeah, and I because t- anyone can take a class with Morehouse. Um, and they actually wanted me to they wanted to do me and I was like nah I'm good like but that's the thing that's what I liked about your short is like it's really mental as well I can't just have somebody put on a glove and even though they probably know what they're doing I would need an emotional something even when you're masturbating you're not just laying there numbly you're thinking of something you're feeling something yeah I never understand I never under I mean that's why I was so fascinated with it and like put it in the story because I was like what is this thing like I I cannot just lie there in a clinical setting and be like palpated yeah (laughs) no they had like a notepad outside of their room and you just sign up for 3 p.m and then you go get off like, I, that would never work And me. you know how I found out I was in the hot tub In the backyard And the woman comes in And she's like Do you mind if I get naked And I was like Yeah go ahead Whatever She was in her 40s You know whatever And she was, she gets in the hot tub And she's like So do you know That we're all doing each other And I was like Who's we No I knew nothing And that's how I found out We're all doing each other Yeah That's so unsexy Yeah So oh. Cheers Cheers Thanks for <laughs> sharing that, that. <laughs> Yeah so um, Congratulations on your short film And being itself by Southwest. We've been speaking with Zoe Mintz and Morgan Siat from the narrative short Vibrator Girl. Thank you so much. This has been so fun. Thanks for joining us on today's show. You can find more information about this episode in our show notes. If you're missing us, you can visit us at bitchtalkpodcast.com to sign up for our newsletter and buy us a cup of coffee. Did you know we're also on the radio? You can find us at bff.fm. And lastly, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All the cool bitches are doing it.
This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.